Welcome to More Than Running with Dana, hosted on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and every week I speak with women in and around the running world about who they are, off the track, fields, the roads, and sometimes even other sports. Personally, I've run professionally, worked in the running industry at a shoe company, and now I'm on the media side of the sport, with of course some races thrown in there too. I created this podcast to bridge the gap between the elite side of the sport and the everyday, breaking down barriers and sharing authentic stories about the women who are my peers, mentors, and inspiration. It's just like a conversation on a long run with a teammate. This podcast is a product of my love for the sport and all of its people. Running connects us, but we are all more than running. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to More Than Running with Dana Giordano. I'm your host, Dana, and this week's guest is Chloe Abbott. I met Chloe in a very serendipitous way at the U.S. Championships where we were walking down the street and she was absolutely strutting her stuff in an all-black outfit and a black on-running bucket hat. And of course, her company that she was keeping was two on-employees. So I made the very incorrect suggestion that Chloe was an on-employee. And Chloe is not on-employee. She is so much more than that. This is the More Than Running podcast. Chloe is a 400-meter runner, ran at the University of Kentucky, NCAA runner-up, competed at the Olympic trials, and is a multi-hyphenate, which is my new favorite word, which is your definition, person who also is a singer-songwriter living and training in LA, trying to break into not only professional running, but the music industry. So Chloe, welcome to More Than Running. Thank you so much for that amazing, like, opener. That was lovely, David. They're great. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there we go. You know, you do the singing. I'll leave that to you. I'll do the podcasting. So we have that going for us. I'm, I'm very here for it. Yeah. But thank you for having me. Seriously. Is there anything in my little introduction that you're like, man, I wish she, I wish there was another element to it that she doesn't know, but uh, in your little elevator pitch, when you say, I'm Chloe Abbott, here's my one-liner, what do you usually go with? Oh my God, it's so hard. I'm actually figuring that out right now, how to properly brand it, but I think, um, I think that that's okay for right now because I have not even expressed yet to my own audience the, the next thing that I'm going to add, which is acting, but I haven't really primed my audience for that yet. So okay. I'm like, I don't want to throw it in there like, wait, what? So yeah. <laughs> so the word multi-hyphenate is why I described you as, and it's my favorite new word because it basically just describes someone. The example that uh, the internet gave was Justin Timberlake because he's a singer, a dancer, an actor, all this. And it truly describes someone who holds multiple hats within the music industry. And I think it's just missing a definition where it should say the music industry and athletics. And then that would be you. Yeah. It's something that does not get talked about really often, but there's actually like, I think a good amount of athletes who dabble in the music industry or even the creative space, whether it be fashion or fashion merchandise or, you know, working in photography. Like there's so many athletes now, I think that are tapping into that side of them. So I think that it'll over time with media, you know, showing those sides of athletes, like I think your word will be used. Yeah, multi-hyphenate athlete. 
multi-hyphenate athlete. Yes. You're going to drop it in the bio and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. Well, let's go back to the beginning because we are, my audience is mostly distance runners and we have, we heavily skewed to distance. So we need to really understand kind of, you know, how someone becomes a sprinter. Where did that start with you? where did you grow up and how did you find running? Yeah. So I was raised in Northville, Michigan, which is like a suburbs of Detroit. And um, I feel like running really found me. I think like I like I we've talked about a little bit. I've always been a creative person, singer, always wanted to be on TV shows and never considered myself an athlete, thought it was not a life for me. And even to this day, I feel like I don't claim athlete status. I feel like I just do athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm totally an athlete. Um, but I, yeah, like I think like in eighth grade, I was running and some converses. My sister did practice. She did track. And I was like, oh, I'll just do it with you one day. And then my coach was like, yeah, you'd be really good. And I was like, okay. It was, I was in like eighth grade. So I didn't even know what that really meant. And so then my freshman year of high school, I kind of just, I knew I didn't want to do distance. I just knew that in my heart. I <laughs> I didn't even know what distance running was, but I knew that whatever they were doing, no thanks. That's not for me. You're not at all. Yeah. And I mean, I've always looked up to Alice and Felix, and it's such a blessing that we train together now because it's it's insane where I think about how it all came full circle. But that was the only athlete I knew at the time. It was Alice and Felix, and she only ran like half the track or the full track or one part of the straightaway of track. So that's really all I knew about track. So I was just like, okay, I'll do that. And I started out in the hundred meter dash and too long and not really that fast. And so my coach, wait, was wait, like, wait, what? the dash was too long or you were too long. I was too long. You were too long. I was like, yeah. okay, there's nothing. I mean, unless you're doing indoor, like that's, that's it. That's as short as it gets like long jump, maybe. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Like it's literally, but it's, that's why you have to be so good at it. You have to kind of fit the mold a little bit. Um, there's some anomalies like Usain Bolt and Allison Felix, but, and honestly, Shawnee Miller, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I wasn't really good at that. So my coach was like, let's put you in a 400 and see how that works. And I was like, okay. And like, I just did it. And after like my sophomore year, I kind of started taking it seriously. And I was like, oh, I just keep getting better after each race. And it, it wasn't like great times. It was like, you know, 54s, then 55s. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can actually do this. And I just trusted the process. And then, you know, that's when a college came to me, Purdue, and just was like, yeah, we'd love to, you know, pay for your college. And I wanted to go to Juilliard. So I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> Like, I don't want to go to college for some reason. Yeah, well, well, we're going to have to go back and go to the beginning of the, you know, the creative career as well. So you're this is like the true inflection point of those two paths. Yeah, literally. And All right, well, so let's go back to the music oh. start. Okay. Let's, let's go back. Like, I, I want it. Like, this is two crossroads right here. If you saw my arms right now, the way we're recording, we're like at the crossroads. This is a Disney movie in the making. So someone <laughs> came right. to you was like, we were going to pay for your college and track. And you're like, I want to go to Juilliard. I want to be Zac Efron. I want to play basketball. And I want to <laughs> sing. <laughs> I want to sing while I play basketball. Like, why can't okay, I do well, that? We won't go all the way back. But let's, let's – so you were – you want to go to Juilliard, which I only know from the movies is a very intensive process. 
very, very intense. Like you kind of have to have your leg in the door already in order for you to be considered to even like apply to the school. And I checked off no boxes. I mean, I had nothing to show for my talent, my abilities off the track because I would put so much effort into track and field that I would skip out on auditions. I wouldn't try out for the acapella groups. Like I would just be like, I was always told that you had to choose, you know, like you can't give too much to both. And that just really bothered me for a while, which is why I'm such a huge advocate, like for people to understand who they are outside of whatever they do, whether it be a sport or, you know, music or acting or whatever. Um, because people will tell you it's impossible to do both at the same time. Um, and so honestly, I didn't do both for a while um, in high school. I just like, my mom told me it's best to get your college paid for. And that's, we can't afford college. So you have to, you know, figure it out. So I was like, okay, I can do it. <laughs> like, I didn't want to stress me out the thought of it. Cause I'm like, I already don't like practicing too much. I was like, oh goodness, it's so hard. Like, but I, I loved loved collegiate athletics oh my gosh it's like I think anyone everyone should do it like it's so yeah fun. I mean I totally agree especially when you're in the right situation I went to Dartmouth and it's a very different D1 experience than you were you were at Purdue and then you tra- transferred I assume to Kentucky somewhere along the way there was that after your sophomore year you transferred yeah after my sophomore year yeah yeah but I just think collegiate athletics are truly it is track and field at its best. It's sports at its best. You have put together rivalries, meets, you're constantly getting better. You have all the resources at your fingertips. I mean, I absolutely thrived being a person who could be good in the classroom and on the track and have friendships and relationships and live a very dynamic life that I actually totally struggled when I was running professionally because it was kind of that loss of that environment. But for you, like, I want to hear about your college experience. Um, when did you decide to transfer? Um, and how did those two different schools um, compare to each other? Yeah, I think um, after I went to Purdue, I realized that, like, it's definitely a very technical school. And so I was majoring in theater at a place where, like, they really didn't, like, focus on the actual dramatics of it. They mm-hmm. focused on backstage work, like lighting, tech design, art design. And I was like, this is not, I, I want to sing like Tiana from Princess of the Frog. Like, I don't want to be backstage. <laughs> like what? You're like, put me out there. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing backstage? So, but I mean, I love that experience too, just because it showed me a lot of, it had been forced me to have an appreciation for the behind the scenes work that I never understood. But I actually went to Kentucky because after sophomore year, my coach got the head coaching position at the University of Kentucky. And that's when Coach Flo left to go to Texas. And my coach took the opportunity and he was like, you are coming with me. I don't care what you say. Like, you're coming with me. And I was like, absolutely. Like, we had an amazing year in 2018. Like, we got, I mean, it was a hard 4 by 4 Everyone's seen it. You know, the 4 by 4 were yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but well, I mean, we did. Like, I don't was- know if you know, we did just have, I mean, I had just had Kendall on the show, so oh. yeah. yeah, I know, I know it was tough. She calls it that race on her Instagram stories. Cause she's like, I'm kind of sick of it at this point. She's like, it was epic, but like it was got just- blown out of proportion. It did because it's like people misunderstood the fact that it happens very often. Like 
it's not like it's something new that happens where someone tracks down someone. Like, which I've leg had, were you? I was the first leg. Okay, so yeah. not a, like not as bad. People think that me because me and Janaea, we look very similar. We're both tall. We have fair skin. Both skinny. So a lot of people thought that it was me on the fourth leg. And I mean, I mean, whatever. Like, who cares? It was hard though because we wanted to win that so bad. Like that was our, our year. We put it all together. We were all splitting like fifty points. One of our one of our girls running forty nine seconds. So it was just like ugh. so. We really losing was really what it was hard. Not even the fact that she got tracked like that. It was just the fact that we wanted that first place through. Um, but after that amazing year, that's when I realized I want to be held accountable and I want to be around people who want to be great. Cause I think at Purdue, people were very like plant type a personalities where they very much wanted to just be students. And that was something I personally didn't resonate with. Cause I mean, like, I like being a student, but I really loved the success that came from running track. So I knew that in order to be in a place where we're winning and going for big trophies and big team titles, I needed to be on a team that wanted that just as bad as I did. So that's why I also moved to Kentucky because it's SECs. It's a whole different ball game. Like, you know, in Big Ten, there's maybe two or three competitors you'll compete with that are like really hard to get go against. Or match your energy, but in the SEC, we're all gunning for that first place trophy. Like we all want it. Just as, it's like literally like professional athletes dialed down a notch. But like honestly, this year when I saw the collegiates, it was for the four hundred. It was professional athletes dialed up three notches. Like yeah, so, something is in the water in the NCAA right now, and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but. I can't even relate. I graduated in 2016. Like, these are the pre-COVID era. Like, things were different. Things were different. You're right. At least you knew how old people are. Right now in the NCAA, the fifth year, sixth year situation, I have no idea. I can't keep track. And I cover the sport. Literally. You're so right. You're so right. And things back then were so much easier and understood. I feel like now, yeah, it's very, it's like football. Like, how how old are you? Like, how long are you going to be here for? Like, But yeah, that was like a pretty great transition. And I mean, the collegiate experience, like you said, like it was a perfect balance of both relationships, um, collegiate, like camaraderie, like you have teammates you're fighting for and you have resources that are at the fingertips. Like it, something I think in the professional world that's being talked about a little bit more is the fact that, yeah, there's no resources, there's no support. People are running they're top 10 in the world and have no contracts. Like it's, uh, it's pretty sad, but yeah, like I think like I, I definitely underestimated how amazing being a collegiate athlete is. I mean, I enjoyed it thoroughly when I was in it. So I can't, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I didn't enjoy it. Cause I totally like enjoyed it when I was in it and I took advantage when I was in it. But man, being a professional athlete compared to being a collegiate athlete is is astronomically different. <laughs> like insane. So did you end up doing four years at Kentucky? Yeah. So I no, I did two years at Purdue and then I did two years at Kentucky. I graduated in 2020. And then that was like, so we started doing school at home and then yeah, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to keep doing track or not. Um, Cause honestly, like I kind of felt like college, 
I thought track and field was just supposed to serve for my collegiate experience. I never in a million years would have expected me to be a professional athlete. Like to this day, I pinch myself and I'm like, I'm literally a professional athlete. Like that's never would have thought that. And, um, so I started spending more time in the music, um, industry, started to write songs, really get in my creative bag. Um, between like March of 2020 all the way up until like August of 2020 um, because I decided, okay, I'm going to take my COVID year. I'm just going to go for it. Like whatever. Cause I had no plan. Okay. So you are back home at this point. I was back home. Yeah. Cause we got sent back after NCAA is from 2020, like that, you know, madness. Um, and oh, we were literally- so remind, refresh my memory. You guys were at NCAAs and then it ended up getting canceled while you were there and you weren't able to compete, but you were there. Yeah. Honestly, and it's so funny. Me and Abby, like, uh, we talk about it all the time because, like, me and Abby were, like, yin and yang in college. And we still are. But, you know, like, so we were rooming together. And, I mean, like, it was finally a year where she was running fast because um, she got injured a little bit before the year before she got injured, then that year COVID happened. So she got stripped away from the NCAA title there This too. is Abby Steiner you're referring to, correct? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Just for, she's, uh, for people who are listening, it, she's 200 meter excellence, Kentucky grad. And oh, your she- roommate. Yes. My, my ice cream date friend, like we, she is just, she is truly everything that she seems as like, she is genuinely the most beautiful human being. And, um, she's just great. I could gush about her all day, but we were, I was not really upset that it was getting canceled. Cause I was also injured something about collegiate athletics. Like they don't care about your injuries, but we were just running through stuff. And, um, yeah, like so I was not mad about it being canceled like but she was really upset because she was going for that title that year and she was picked to win. I think she won SECs that year too. And so we kept getting these calls that like it was going to get canceled and we found out they canceled our spring break and we were like, "Okay, well, we at least have the race." And then they we found out that they can't have we can't have parents at the race at NCAAs. So we were like, "Okay." Like Abby was very upset about that. And then um that's when we got the call, like, actually, we have to, like, leave. And we were like, what? Like, we're like, here. We're already here. Let's just do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, we're here already. And so it was – and then also that was the year that Abby was supposed to get um, the NCAA. Like, I think there was, like, a banquet and she was supposed to receive an award. That was canceled. Um, so we both were in this place. We were just, like – like, who cares at this point? Like, she was just like, everything I've been working for is done. Ice cream. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> do you remember at the time there was, I mean, maybe this is, doesn't overlap to your world too much, but there was, um, I believe like three Harvard distance runners who qualified and Harvard was the first school that wouldn't let them travel. And their yes. posts went completely viral because they were like, we represent the school and everything and they won't even let us come. And then like four days later, they like almost had to submit basically a formal apology of like, oh, I guess COVID's serious. And they knew what they, Harvard knew what they were talking about. That's crazy. I didn't know that they got in trouble for it afterwards. No, no. They basically were like very upset at the school for not even letting them travel in the first place before the meet was canceled. 
Yeah. And then they be, they kind of had to run back these, I think they got like 30,000 likes on an Instagram post or something crazy. And they had to run it back. They're like, oh, I guess Harvard knows a thing or two about public health. And we, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they know what they're talking about. And I mean, that, yeah, like looking back at it, it's actually crazy because, yeah, we were really out there with no masks. We never experienced a pandemic before. So it was extremely dangerous. Um, but it was still, it still sucked, you know? And then, yeah, after all that pre- preparation for it, for outdoors, we just got sent home. Like, we're, like finishing my degree at home was insane. Cause like a lot of my classes were like acting classes. And so we were doing like acting monologues via zoom and it sucked. It was so awful. So, okay. So then you, you're at home, you're doing your acting classes all virtually things are weird is was the house busy did you have other family at home yeah my entire so my brother actually my entire family is kind of like sporty so like my sister my oldest sister she ended up staying where she lives right now which is in Atlanta but she's like she owns her own business and then my second sister is a professional volleyball player and she plays overseas um and she came she came home for a little bit. Yeah, she came home, I think, from Italy at that point. And then my younger brother, he plays football at Wisconsin. And so he came back home. And so it was just like all of us back in the same house, like, was kind of. Nutty. Like, it was I, have, I have three siblings, so I get it because we were we all went home to my parents, too. And my house isn't quiet, so. Yeah. See, oh, wait, where do you fall? Are you the middle child or like the oldest? I'm or? the second of four. Got it. Okay. Got you. Be and like you're, a- you're the youngest? You're no. like, back. You're back. You can I'm back. back. I'm back. Yay. Um, I'm the middle child. Okay. Middle of three. Yeah. Well, so because we have a younger, younger brother who um, he's like kind of in and out. Um, so there's five of us, but I'm the middle child of the four. So yeah. You're dead in the middle. Dead in the middle. Yeah. So Um, I'm imagining there was a lot of performances when you were younger trying to get attention from your family. That was me too, but I wasn't musically (laughs) talented. I just pretended. (laughs) I thought it would come to me later in life. Like maybe as I keep doing this, it'll just get better. No, yeah. So you went back to Kentucky though. So you were sitting at home, like I don't know if I'm going to take this COVID year or not, but I'm definitely not staying in my house. Yeah, I realized like from March of 2020, I thought that I was going to be done with college and done with track. So I was like, I need to start working on my music. So I got into the studio and I became so much more immersed in like that culture I've never experienced, like being in a studio, recording in a studio, writing my own music. It was so new, but it like sparked a fire in me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I want more of this. Like this is something that I genuinely enjoy. So from like March of 2020 to like August, I was just in the studio working as if I wasn't going to go to college, like we'll go back. And um, then I talked to my coach and he was like, you know, I think that it'd be best for you to come back. Like um, you can be an assistant coach or you can, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. I'm not working as an assistant coach. I don't need to do that. Um, But I just was like, well, I might as well just do it. Like, let's just do it. Who cares? Like, I'll just take a master's class because I had no more eligibility academically. So I ended up getting into, um, what was it? 
I forgot what my master's was called, but it was like, oh, administration and the arts or something like that. Arts and administrations. That's what it was. And that was really fun. I learned the business side of theater. I learned about like censorship of the arts in schools. And I learned about like how to make like nonprofit organizations. And it was so amazing. I loved it. Um, and so I ended up saying, okay, coach, I'm going to come back and whatever, but I was still like injured a little bit. So I was like a little like on and off still. Um, but yeah, I was fully dialed in. I was like, okay, bet we're here. We got one more year. And then on came to me like in November of like 2020 and was like, we would love to work with you, not just as an athlete, but as an artist. I was like, whoa, yeah. wait, what? That's out of control. They... So was, was there anything you put out into on social media, I mean, manifesting into the universe that said you were looking for a professional contract? Like, did you even have an agent at the time? Like, they just came. No agent. No, I didn't even know what an agent was. Like, I had no agent. I had no, nothing posting. Like, I want to go pro. I didn't want to go pro. <laughs> like, I, that life, the lifestyle, then, especially now that I'm in it, it is not for the the meek. Like you have to love this sport because the sport's going to take, 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 take from you. And um, I let me turn this. I'm like cooking something. Um, but so I was like, yeah, like I definitely don't really plan on going pro, but I would love to continue to be a collegiate athlete. And I was like, I didn't even know what a professional um contract was. I didn't even know what that was. And my mom was just like, okay, well, I'm going to handle it. Then you just focus on school and I will talk to on. So my mom was doing a lot of the talking and she told them, she was like, Chloe will not go professional. If her love, her passions are not understood. If you guys don't take her as a whole human being, like she's just not interested. And Steve, one of the guys that you saw with me, he was just so like, no, we, we want her. We want to support her in all of her endeavors. Like we will give her opportunities and, you know, different like commercial opportunities, modeling opportunities. Like we will support you both on the track and off the track if you sign with us. And I mean, I had a, th I think I had a few other offers, which I think about now is insane. I think it was like a God thing because I didn't reach out to anybody. I didn't have an agent on my, on my behalf sending out stuff for me. I just like, I don't even know how it happened. Like I genuinely don't. And so now some of my friends who are going professional, trying to go professional from collegiate right now, like they'll ask me like, how did you find your agent? And I'm like, I, I didn't, like I didn't find my agent. Um, and so after we had some pretty intense talks about just like what a professional contract would look like for me and my journey, um, that's when I realized, okay, I can actually do this. Cause I I've seen people get swallowed up by the sport and I've seen people not be able to do what they love outside of the sport because their coaches just don't understand that there's a balance. And so I was like, hell, I don't want to do that. I know what I want to do. I don't have a question in my heart. Like I'm aware. And, um, on made it possible for me to see the fact that it's a, that it's it's possible to do both, and I think that on also is sharing with the world through me and through what they use me for that you can use your athletes for so much more than just running in your spikes or wearing your shoes in a mall that no one sees and no one really cares about. Like it's 
there's so much to athletes that I think on is showing through the OAC team through uh, signing me that like you can get so much more from your athlete when you pour into them off the track. And they're like prime examples of why like this sport, I think, can be something beautiful if it's done properly. You know, like if you throw the funds to the right things, like, Mm -hmm. so I realize like I'm in such a blessed like position in this sport because a lot of people like, yeah, they don't have contracts. They don't have support from their sponsors. No one cares about like what they do on or off the track. You get cut immediately if you don't make a certain team, if you don't run a specific time, just so many things. And on told me from the jump, like we will not be the source of your stress. We're going to make sure that you have everything you need for on the track. We don't have spikes right now, but when we get them, we're going to send them to you and <laughs> support you. Wait, like- but did you, have you ever, had you ever even heard of on as a company? That's the real thing because on, I'm, I'm not sure of what year on was founded, but on running is a Swiss company. Their shoes look very different than other shoes. Yeah. So when this random Swiss company came to you out of the blue and offered you almost, you know, not even everything you ever wanted, everything you wanted and never even imagined. Did you just, how did that make you feel? Did that make you feel like you were doing the right thing at the time? Because it's something that I've been actually reflecting about a lot recently is that the universe kind of does give you these signs to pull you in the right direction. You just have to sometimes listen. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that um, when they first came to me, I was like, this is a lie. This is like a joke. I can't believe they'd want me to wear these shoes. I'm like, this is not fashionable. I'm like, this must be a distance brand like Hoka or something. Like, "Mm, not interested. And I told my mom, I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't, it doesn't even look like something I'd want to be interested in. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't like as they kept talking to me about like how amazing the offer was and also just like how they want to use me in their campaigns and they're a brand new company. I was like, okay, like, well, you have to send me the shoes because at the time I had bad shin splints. So I was like, I can't want in Nikes anymore. Like Nikes would screw up my feet and my shins. My, I was doing everything wrong. <laughs> and so I ran in the shoes for like a week and a half and I was like, all of these feel nice. Like these are very good for my feet. So at first I was completely turned off by the brand. Cause like I said, I've never really seen the shoe. I thought it was like some weird startup that like, you know, no one really knew about. Yeah, you could was- offer me everything, but are you going to be around in a year? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it just turned out to be so much more than I even knew. Like, I mean, on has been growing. They grew like 500,000 followers since, uh, since I signed with them. I mean, like they have, what, what is it called? Um, when you, you know, put a, they went public. That's what it, in the, the IPO. Yes. They went public, yeah. like literally like maybe a few months after I signed and, or no, um, no, it was this year. It was, it was this year on the, yeah. Like maybe a few, it was like smooth seven or eight months. Time is in flying. It really, and it's so confusing because 2020 was such a confusing experience that 2020 and 2021 to me blend together. So it's hard sometimes to decipher. Like, did that happen in 20 or 2021? 
I agree. So you finally did sign this deal, though, and you're in Kentucky. Yeah. When did you kind of, I know that you're currently in L.A., so from getting yourself hopped on a plane to LAX, how did that happen? Um, You know, when was the inflection point of, you know, Kentucky is a chapter of my life and I'm ready for the next one to pursue what I assume is your music career. And you dropped a bomb in the beginning that your training partner is Allison Felix. So this is a really big part of the chapter here where you're a 400 meter runner, you know, training with Allison Felix. So, you know, I think that this is what happened there. What happened? (laughs) It was, it was crazy because after I, I mean, my coach at Kentucky is like my, like a father figure to me, like someone, I always said, if I run 47 seconds, I'm running it with you. You're going to be the stamp Like you're going to be the reason why I did it. Like no one else. I'm never, I'm never in with a different coach. And I realized that as a professional athlete, like you can't get coached by every coach that's a collegiate athlete. Like a lot of collegiate coaches don't know how to handle a professional um, routine, a professional itinerary, you know, like there's different competitions. Our seasons are completely different. And I love Coach Green. I tell him to this day, like, I just don't think that his priorities with me as a professional were properly, like, I just didn't think that they aligned. And I knew that for myself, but I was scared to tell him because like I said, I've always imagined us being together forever. Um, so after trials, when like, I kind of had a really hard first rookie year, like it was just, I wasn't performing well. And it's still hard to talk about because I've always been someone who like kind of thrives off of winning. Like I always thought that winning was getting the medals, getting the first place trophies and stuff. So I genuinely struggled with my first year. I was like, this sucks. Like I'm losing all the time, like running times I never ran before it sucks. And so I was just like, I have to make a change. So after, so I ran with Coach Green from like November of 2020 when I signed to literally after trials, the Olympic trials. And I told him and, you know, he understood and sent me off with good graces. And I still call him and talk to him to this day. And it's been lovely. But I ended up going to Florida. Um, Quinera Hayes's coach reached out to me and um, she, he kind of said like, you know, it'd be lovely to work together. So I said, okay, like, that sounds good. Um, So after trials, I literally packed up all my stuff. Well, I visited Florida first to see if the coach and I would mesh together. And it seemed like a really great fit. And so that's when I was like pressed. And I think I made a decision a little rushed. So I, because I was just so pressed, it's like, I have to do my job. I have to do my job. I'm not doing my job if I'm not running. So I go to Florida, pack all my stuff and go. And I train out there for like maybe a span of like five months, not even like, I think literally I trained there from like July and August. I trained for two months with that coach and five months, two months, same thing. It was two months of, of insanity, insanity. And I realized like, okay, I can't work with this person. It is not safe for me here. I need to find another coach, which was so scary. Cause I just packed up everything in my life, drove to Florida, planned this whole thing, love Quinera Hayes like so much. And I was like, Oh, this is great. It was not great. So then I like, literally it was crazy how it happened. After I realized I wasn't going to work with him, I was like, okay, I need to like fast. And so I took like a two day fast where I literally 
stayed in my apartment for two days, didn't eat, didn't drink any water, which was dangerous. You should definitely drink water fast because you will like pass out. Is this something you've done before to make a decision? Is fasting so that you just were like, I, you're like, I'm at a, a, a point where I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like I was desperate. I was desperate because I just signed this contract. Like I knew that I had to find something to do and it was so scary, but I knew that, um, cause I'm pretty spiritual. And so I was like, I know that God is going to provide an answer for me if I just silence all the sensory distractions and really just lean into what I'm supposed to do because I know that something's here. So I fasted for two days and after my two day fast, um, Allison's husband calls me and me and Allison Felix's husband know each other because we're both from Michigan. And so when I was in high school running, he would always be there, you know, like supporting the Detroit teams and all that. So he calls me and he's like, Hey, like, how's the coaching search going? And I'm like, it's not going well. Like, it's bad. Cause I told him before trials that I was looking for a new coach. Like I knew I needed to leave coach green, but I didn't know where I was supposed to go. So he was like, okay, like, it's okay. And he just told me it's very normal to go through this. And he was like, let me call Bobby and let me call John Smith and let me see if there's something that I can help you with. So I'm like, okay. So I took that as a sign of like, maybe there's hope. So then Kenneth, that's Allison's husband, he calls me back, like, I think the next day and is like, are you, do you want to take this seriously? Like, do you really want to run track and field? And I was like, yes, like, I want to do this. Like, I, I need, I need this in my life. Like, and he was like, okay, you have a, a meeting with Bobby in 15 minutes. And I was like, Bobby, hopefully, you, hopefully you had eaten some food at this point. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I did that that day. I literally was sitting there. I was like, you're kidding me. Cause I felt like I was supposed to work with Bobby. Um, in like March of 20, March of 2021 before trials, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to work with them. I did a training camp. California one for like two weeks. And I was like, I really feel like I'm supposed to work with him, but I, you know, whatever. So I left that alone. And I also believed that I was supposed to be in California, but I left that alone too. I was just like, I feel like I'm supposed to be here at some point. So when Bobby was given to me by the hands of a beautiful specimen, I was like, okay, this is insane. I feel like so- screw this up. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I was like, okay, let me talk to Bobby. So I talked to him on the phone and Bobby is, I mean, the best person in the entire world. But like when I first met him, like he's a man of like, he's just very short and doesn't really talk too much. Like first initial conversation. So I was very intimidated. He was asking me a lot of questions and I was asking a lot of questions. I was very nervous. I was just like, I would love to work with you. And I know that I am an amazing athlete and I'm here for like the long haul. I really want to do this. And I believe that you're the coach that I need in order to do this. And I think that this is something that I would love to move forward with if you're willing. And he was like, okay, we'll talk tomorrow. I was like, okay. I think I'm in. I call my mom. Like, I think I'm in. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And then the next day we talked and then we kept talking and It became like conversations about, you know, what it would be like if I was his athlete. And then it became conversations about what it would look like if I were to move to California. And then it became like, okay, I want you to be my athlete. And then it became, okay, I want to be the, I'm I'm the jeweler. He said something so cool. He's like, I'm the jeweler, you're the diamond, and I'm going to be the first one to make the cut. Basically saying like, you're someone who's extremely special. And I want to be able to hone that 
Like, I want to be able to nurture that and show it to the world and show them I like, not only is she a diamond, but like I helped cut it. And he really just wanted to be a part of my journey. And it's still so crazy to me because Bobby, like, I always say this to people, like he is such a profound coach with amazing accolades, the best athletes that have ever done it in this sport. He coached to that point, but outside of track, he is the best human being like so kind. And a lot of people have a lot of things to say about him because obviously, I mean, he's an old guy who's, who's had his own tribulations in life. So he's had his downfalls and people have seen them, but he is, he's a, he's just an extremely wise, well-versed man that I genuinely like outside of track. He's so much more to me than just Mm -hmm. a So when it comes to like your music and how that plays into your relationship with your coach, is that something that you were very upfront and transparent around? Because, you know, obviously your sponsor knew about that element, who you are. You'd shared a little bit on social media, you're singing, but did that come up in that initial conversation of, you know, holding yourself as this whole person? Yeah. I let him know. And that's something that I, I speak to a lot of people as well about that you have to communicate who you are. You have to know who you are and you have to know what you want in some capacity so that then there's smooth sailing from the foundation of your relationship to wherever you guys end up. And um, I think that's the crux of really like being able to balance both. But I showed, I told Bobby like from the jump, you know, I, I he was like, what do you like to do outside of track? Because one thing about Bobby, like he loves people who love things outside of their sport. I mean, he is someone who understands anxiety. He's someone who understands depression. He's someone who understands like getting overwhelmed in the sport. He really gets it like a lot. So he, a lot of the things that he preaches on is rest and finding something outside of the sport to take a break from. Like you have to, to maximize and get to that next level of greatness And so when I let him know that like I'm a singer and I love to act and I, you know, I've always been into Broadway and I love music. I love plays. He was like, me too. And then we'd start talking just about music and just about my ambitions off the track. Like for a while, that's all we would talk about. And this was from like September to like October, November of 2021. Um, And so he was very aware and he was just like, Chloe, you can have, you can have it all you know, I can help you get to that success on the track. And through that, we will be, you know, traveling in Paris and going to different meets. But then in our off time, we'll go to plays and we'll get backstage and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to nurture that side. Wow. It's insane. How many people? That doesn't sound real. It's insane. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. And the fact that I keep saying, like the fact that it's Bobby Kersey, I mean, it's Bobby Kersey saying, I want to support you off the track more than mm-hmm. on the track. Honestly, Bobby, when I had photo shoots for practice or like, you know, anything like that, where I'd have to miss, like he would, he always makes it work. I've had coaches who have said like, no, you can't miss this practice. It's very important practice. Mm-hmm. Bobby is like, go to that photo shoot. Mm. Go do that. Go do that video shoot. Go, go be on that show for a week. We'll make it work. Like, he Do you think there's said, an element to that because of, you know, the other people he's coached have had those type of opportunities come up a lot? So, you I know, think, training yeah. with Allison Felix, obviously she has, you know, she's sponsored by Athleta. She has Sage, her own brand as well, is, I don't know, in how many commercials a year. 
and is someone who has that adaptability, is that something that you kind of have um, had another mentor in addition to Bobby at practice to kind of see how someone can have that success off the track? I mean, Allison is everything that she's also, I mean, she is, I wouldn't say that she's my mentor, but I definitely have, we've had practices, we practice together and like, she's just, I've had some pretty crap races this year too. And she's just been a source of peace for me in this part of my personal journey um, because she's been through it all. She's been through the injuries. She's been through the losses. She's been through the amazing wins. She's been through the commercials. She's been through the highs and the lows of this sport. And it's just so funny how like when someone reaches a certain amount of success, they realize that like success, I mean, the winning and stuff is kind of like two out of 10 on like the grand journey of just the journey itself. Like she just minimizes so much of my worries a lot of the time. Like she normalizes my concerns and he hears me and listens to me. And I feel like I'm talking to like a sister. Um, and I think, yeah, like Bobby having to work with Allison a lot off the track has definitely taught him how to balance that lifestyle too. Um, but he was doing that before Allison too. I mean, he coached Florence Joyner. He coached um, Valerie, 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 I forgot her last name, Valerie something. Um, I mean, he's coached Joanna Hayes. He's coached almost every single amazing sprinter in the game. So I think him, he's someone also who adapts to everything. I mean, I think that's what's really cool about him. And I think that's the reason why he has such a successful program because he understands the whole human. He doesn't just focus on track and he has taught that to Allison. He's taught that to me. He's taught that to Sydney. He's taught that to Morlake, my other training partner. And I think that he just, he forces us kind of to take breaks and to relax and to rest because he knows that the sport, um, it can really make you feel like you're not supposed to rest. It can make you feel like you're not supposed to have fun. <laughs> and so I think like, it's just a perfect storm for me in my journey. I talk about my journey because I think that people get fixated on, oh, well, this is how Allison did it. This is how Kindle did it. This is how everyone does it. And I'm just like, everyone is so different. Everyone's so complex. It's an incomparable experience and you can't compare people in their journeys because people are not meant to be compared and neither are journeys or experiences, you know? And so, um, Bobby is perfect for me in my journey because he values me as an artist. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've had, I had a gig one day, one time, um, and on, it was an on gig and basically sang at one of the, the cloud monster reveal and it was in Venice and I invited him and he was like, so excited. He, <laughs> he dressed up in like a whole little like outfit and, Cute. um, yeah, it was so sweet. And he like danced to my music and I was singing and he was just, what type of music? Like, let's get into that a little bit. It's like, what, what is your, uh, what's your genre? Because I know you mentioned, um, you're, you're like an actor, singer, everything. So let's like, as we are today, you know, the other element of who you are, you know, what's your genre of music that you develop and is it, have you determined what that is yet? Yeah. I think like I find myself whenever I create music or whenever I write it, it's very much R and B. Like it's very like 
not like Janae Eco vibes, but kind of like her, but also like old school a little bit, like Etta James and um, Billie Holiday. I mean, like it's kind of like it's. I feel like my personal style is like a mixture of modern and like older contemporary music blended together. Um, and I genuinely like, I love writing music. I mean, like, it's super cool to be able to like have an experience of pain or excitement and be able to like write about it in a way where like people can resonate to it. Um, so like me as an artist, I definitely love that part of the music. And I think that's like my genre, but when like, I'm like singing or just like, you know, performing, like, it's definitely also R&B, but I, I love like very old school songs that are like upcycled to be like modern. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's super fun to be able to take something that has so much history and so much impact on culture and like vamp it up to be like something that people will listen to now, you know? And so I, I enjoy like kind of mixing around with different renditions of older R&B and soulful songs. But I also love Broadway music. Um, love it. Big. <laughs> so if you were ever asked to be like, say they, we have a lead part in a Broadway show for yes. you. Yes, yes, yes. But during track season. Yes. Wow, okay. Yes. So, okay, let's, let's do a little game. Like, all right, record deal. That record. could happen at the same time. That could be like kind of dual. I probably wouldn't do a record deal though. I probably would. Oh. Yeah. Because record deals, like, okay, this is what I was kind of talking about in the beginning of just like music industry and then the acting industry are like two different industries. And okay. I thought that they intertwined and they can, but to be like a professional singer versus a professional actress, there's two different demands. And being a professional singer, I mean, you're going to be in the studio 24 seven, you're going to be doing gigs, concerts, you're going to be selling merch, you're going to be like really trying to sell yourself as a singer. Mm -hmm. um, but then in the acting world, it's more so you're auditioning for things you are um, sending in your acting reels so that then you can get approved by agents to then send out your information to different TV shows or commercials like I think the acting industry is more so like focusing on like literally showing like how you are as an actress while you're crying actor and you're doing like uh, surgical acting or if you're doing like um, just basic monologues, like that's that industry. And then the singing industry is like, okay, I'm getting in the studio. I'm producing my music. I'm putting it on Apple music. I'm sending it out. I'm selling it. I'm posting on my Instagram. I'm marketing. Mm -hmm. And Personally, like I have always been someone who's a Broadway geek and I love acting and singing put together. Okay. Um, yeah. So like if I were to get like a publishing deal, I probably wouldn't take it. Actually, I'm almost, I'm 98.7% sure I would not take a publishing singing deal because that's not the life or the like career that I love. Like I don't, I'm not passionate about like, you know, getting You're in You're not trying to sell it in an arena. No. It'd definitely be cool. It would be cool to do it. Like, like once. Yeah, like once. Like, but to like, for that to be my career, it would probably be short-lived, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, but it's I, brutal. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, 
it's like, you can't do everything at a professional level. You know, like I have a passion for singing. I have a passion for writing. I might do like ghost writing at some point, but to really try and be a professional singer is something that I don't value. It's just okay. something I genuinely thoroughly enjoy and love to post about. And it grows my followers a little bit easier. It's just like, I use it for what it can give me, but, and I actually have conversation with my friend yesterday about it and I was like yeah I just don't know how to rebrand like I don't I don't know mm. multi hyphenate athlete this is what we come back to but, <laughs> well we're gonna put a bow in the singing side of Chloe real quick because I've been dying to ask you this the entire episode and I actually have wanted to ask this to like everyone who does this song do you like singing the national anthem I love it. You love it. Okay. I've heard it's an extremely hard song to sing, but when I tell you, I'm not just gassing you up at minute, whatever, this podcast, I swear I'm not gassing you up. When I heard you singing at USA's, normally I'm like, okay, national anthem, like, I want to go watch the races. I was like really taken aback and emotionally like very like in the moment and super present. I thought it was so beautiful in a way that I was like, this person must genuinely enjoy singing the national anthem and doesn't feel like it's just a thing that they have to do. And I feel like you, that's what my assumption was. And I'm glad it's true because, you know, on your Instagram, you, you got to sing at Kentucky to a sold out stadium. Um, where's the dream play well one do you like seeing the national anthem you already said yes but a little bit more about that two dream place to sing the national anthem two put a bow on your singing career dude i mean obviously i've always dreamt of singing at the super bowl i would love to sing the national anthem at a super bowl i mean honestly any professional football game and I've been, I have some professional football players that I've taught. I've said, you need to talk to your um, um, events manager because I'm trying to get in there. And I have, you know, I, so I've been kind of putting that into play um, right now, actually. But yeah, I, I love the anthem. It's, it's such a hard song to sing because it, the range is insane. You start out low and then literally there's, you can go up or down the scale the entire time. Like, um, uh, and I, I genuinely love it. And I've done it. I've been doing like singing at Anthem since like my sister's playing volleyball in high school. So like 2014, that's like when I first started. And ever since then, I was like, I can just use singing to just like show people that I do stuff outside of track. Like, and it also worked with my schedule. So I loved it. Like, and my coach was amazing. My coach from Kentucky, he also was someone just like Bobby, like being like, mm. I am, I I fully support you off the track. If you want to do a show in college, you can do it and we'll work, we'll work together to make it work. Um, but yeah, like I love singing the national anthem and I love the way it challenges me as a singer. And also like, yeah, I think that any football game, any professional football game, I would love to sing it. Or any You could be the like the LA Chargers anthem woman. That is I thank you. I received that because that was a plan of mine. And yeah. I'm glad like, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And I think that if I can create an opportunity for people to get paid to just be national anthem singers. I think that people do get paid for just being national. I mean, I don't know how much you can pay for just being a national anthem singer, but. Yeah, I didn't you know, know. A whole career if it was just like, oh, I do it on the side, you know. But I'm thinking I'm like. sure. 
as a lifestyle, I sing the national anthem. I mean, that's a TikTok channel in itself. I'm <laughs> telling you. That really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, I've had you on for almost an hour, so I need to get into the acting side of things as well because, I mean, I think this podcast could be three hours long. <laughs> but ever, honestly. Forever. So you mentioned, you, you dropped some hints like TV show, acting, movie, like what, uh, like what kind of things are you currently auditioning for? And, you know, obviously acting is very time intensive. Set days are extremely long. It's not as compatible with track as far as training, being on your feet, being on set, not eating great food, you know, not being elemental with recovery, all that. So, you know, do you take that into consideration when doing auditioning or do you just shoot your shot for, you know, the shows and movies you want to be on in LA? Cause you're really at the creative hub of, you know, everything in Hollywood right now. So what are you manifesting? Um, what are you manifesting within acting? And do you consider track when on making those auditions? Oh, that's a dope question. Um, I definitely like, because I, because of those factors of the fact that they really don't intertwine too well. Um, I've, I actually have literally not really worked in the acting space as much, which is why I feel like it's like a time for a rebrand a little bit because I am going to pursue that. And I am figuring out with Bobby, how we're going to make that work. But he does know that that's a desire from my heart that I really want to incorporate and, um, I think that's why I led so much into singing because that was like the only thing that really worked with track, you know, cause yeah, like long 12 to 15 hour days shooting, like not eating very well, not hydrating beyond your feet. Like you said, like all of that is so real. And also like, it's extremely time consuming. You'll be gone shooting for five days out of the week. Like that's training, you know? So I do, I do acknowledge the fact that there are some things I have to put on hold just because of what my career is right now and what I've decided to put my focus and attention into. Um, but I am trying, I have not auditioned for really anything in the acting space. It's just been a lot of different music opportunities because I can do that from home. Mm -hmm. Um, I can just send in what I want from home. So, but it's something that I genuinely am trying to figure out how to incorporate. But I think that because like, my focus, like I said, like, is just so fixated on just like track right now that it's just like, I have to be patient with it and hope that, you know, my track career will catapult me in a way to where it's like, it will help me in the acting space. Um, and I think on is amazing because they give me the chance to act like through different campaigns that I've done with them. I've been a voiceover actress. I've been a model in the shoot campaigns. Um, I've been the lead actress in one of their shoot. It's all athletically connected, but it's still something I can share with agents at some point when I'm like, Hey, I did this campaign. It was global. It went all over the country. Like, so on has been very helpful with me in regards to building my acting reel with really great professional content that a lot of actors and actors don't have. So it mm. will be a part and they've, you know, showed me that I enjoy voice acting. Um, I mean, I did my own, I wrote my own song to my campaign release that I was signing to them. So like they provide the opportunities. We'll for have to link that in the show notes. Cause it's, it's very yeah. good. It's cool. Yeah. 
Well, one of your on campaigns cracked me up because, um, you know, I know David Kilgore. He's kind of a scene in the trail running world. And you did a trail running sh- photo shoot, you know, with him. And the funniest thing, I was, you know, cracking up because you would never trail run before the throwing the 400 meter. And your quote was, I don't really like running downhill. And it just, it, it actually slayed me because I was like, wow, that is truly someone who just runs on a track. They just yep. go flat. They just turn left. Like, do you not like turning right? Like, no. I don't like going down and I don't like turning right. Bro, because I don't understand. Like, David was really like, go, you know, his ultra marathoner. Yeah. Insane. And he was just having the time of his life dr- jumping on rocks and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, some of the shoots, I couldn't even do some of them because I'm like, I'm not doing that. This just seems insane. I don't Crazy. get it. Well, I I truly wish you the best in kind of this Chloe rebrand. That might be the title of this episode. But if you were to give any advice to, um, you know, younger athletes who do have multiple passions, obviously, you know, you know, some of these things came towards your way, but in a way you'd been working towards it your whole life. Um, What advice would you give towards sharing the fact that, you know, these younger athletes do have multi-talented people um in order to you know follow in a similar path as yours because I think your story is really inspirational to a lot of people obviously you have a lot of goals that you still yeah. want to achieve you know on and off the track and you're in the middle of a track season right now hopefully some races more races coming up soon so yeah. uh yeah what advice would you give to you know some people listening to this episode who are you know getting really fired up that they believe they can do it all too yeah, I, th- I think I've, I've practiced this a lot, honestly, because I think that this is a really big part of why I'm here. Um, and I think that it's really, first off, you, you've got to communicate properly, you know. First of all, I just want to say that it's possible. You know, it's possible and it's, and it's achievable and it's fun when you find the balance of whatever you love and whatever you do. Because I think that you can love both, but there's one thing that you do and there's something that you love. And I think that it's just very important to remember that it's possible and that just because someone hasn't done it, I'm trying to be that person for you guys, but like just because someone hasn't done it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Like just because you don't have a representation, be that representation for yourself and others, you know, and to not get discouraged because of what coaches or people may say to you. You know, I think it's important for you to believe that if you see it in your heart that it's possible, if you have visions about it, or if you believe that you know, this is something that you can achieve. Don't let your coach or even your parents or people that you genuinely love discourage you from keeping that fire, you know, because I've, I've kind of seen that happen to myself. And I thought that it wasn't possible to be a representation for people in the sports world, um, to, to have passions outside of the sport. And I mean, if I would have listened to my coaches in high school and let them stop me from what I love doing, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Um, so it's very important to remember that it's possible and then right, communicate properly to your coaches. Like, Hey, I love playing tuba and I want to play tuba after practice. I want to sing and play basketball. (laughs) And this this is my, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I, can you help me with it? Are you going to help me get to, are you going to help me figure out how to balance it? You know? I'm, I, I can I can understand, you know, taking a break from tuba for two weeks, but then I need to have the freedom to come back after two weeks and go ham as long as we're on the same page. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Just communicating what you desire, 
And then uh, giving your coach the choice and the opportunity to be like, I will support you or mm, not going to do that because it'll save you. It'll save you from heartache later if your coach doesn't want to support you. But it'll also save you in the sense to where you have the opportunity to achieve whatever you want simultaneously. Multi-hyphenated. <laughs> yes. Well, Chloe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, I feel like it was very serendipitous that we met and you just are everything that more than running embodies. I'm just going to leave you with my my last question before we do your final signed off. And that is, what does more than running mean to you? Such a great, profound question, Dana. Just to- yeah, I primed you in the beginning, guys. So I'm not just tossing it on the gas. If you've been listening, <laughs> you know I've been tossing it on. So I think more than running means like there's so much more to you as a person here on this earth. Like, than just running. Yes, running is amazing. It's freedom. It's it's hard work. It's it's amazing. It's one of the best sports I think in the entire world. Um, but there's so much more to that. Like when you learn who you are, and when you learn who you are, I think you can capitalize on the beauty of the sport. And so I just think it's very important to find what you as a human being love to then make the sport running just 10 times more enjoyable. Even if it's not, even if it's like something cool, like weightlifting, I love to weightlift and I love to run. Okay, then weightlift. If you like to write books, write books. If you just like to run, that's fun too. But learn who you are. Like you don't have to have other talents outside of the sport, but just learn who you are, love who you are, and it will make the sport of running. 10 times more amazing. I love it. Thank you so much again. We're just going to be cheering for you. Hopefully you gained some new fans today. Where can everyone find you and follow you on your you know, upcoming journeys? Um, definitely follow on. I know that we have some exciting things coming up there. And then um, there's going to be some ex- – follow my Instagram. Um Chloe abs. I hate like punching it in. It's like, no, Chloe, we'll do it. We'll link in the show notes too. So we can find you on Instagram. Are you active on Twitter? Do you have a TikTok, YouTube? Where where are you at? I'm very active on Instagram and my YouTube. You can definitely learn more about my personal journey from high school to now. You can see like what that looked like to what I kind of spoke to today. And yeah, like stay on the lookout for sure. I'm active on Twitter, but not really. I just like to like things. I don't really tweet too much. Um, And TikTok is all all singing so no athletic stuff there but hey I, I think you should mix it up bring it all together you know i'm you know there's something about putting it all together sometimes that either makes me super happy or stresses me out i just like feel like i might make a channel for different things like instagram for track tiktok for singing and maybe like twitter for my monologue so then you can just not just and here i am arguing put it all together <laughs> one person one fabulous Chloe Abbott. You're right. Thank you, Dana. This is amazing. This is so fun. More Than Running is brought to you by Hayward Magic, the Instagram home for the true track and field diehards, dreamers, and fans, sharing the magic of the sport and elevating the athletes that push it forward. Hayward Magic to me is those moments when you're in Hayward Field 
or any other track and you get the smell of the track and it's just transports you to a place of finding that flow state, watching a world record, or just finding some everyday inspiration. Check out Hayward Magic on Instagram and maybe you too yourself can get featured if you tag Hayward Magic in your own special magical running moments. That wraps up this episode of More Than Running with Dana. More Than Running is hosted on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network and is edited and produced by Mike Zerzolo. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or leave me a rating on Apple's Podcasts or Spotify. I read every review and I love all the guest suggestions that you guys share with me. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode of More Than Running. If you want to keep connecting with me, you can find me at, at Dana underscore G-I-O on Instagram and Twitter and at Dana underscore Giordano, my last name, on TikTok. You can also follow along at the at More Than Running Instagram for some behind the scenes fun content. Thanks again for listening to More Than Running with Dana, and I'll see you next time. 